0: Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We tend as Episcopalians towards the cerebral. In our church, you don't have to check your brains at the door, we confidently state. And right we are. I also think our denomination is somewhat comfortable with the emotional and relational. God loves us unconditionally, and we are to love one another in the same way. Finally, a good number of us appreciate the socially responsible aspect of our faith. We are to go out and be Christ to a world that so needs it. But one way I think our Episcopal faith falls short in general is the mystical. We like our miracles to be explained. Yeah, the feeding of the 5,000 is a miracle because Jesus inspired everyone to share what little they all had. And so they put it all together and everyone amazingly got fed and there were even leftovers. Takes away a little bit of that miracle. Still good. Standing in awe and speechlessness before God and Christ is kind of not our thing. We'd rather have maybe a discussion or a conversation about it or... Maybe put together a committee to address it. (laughs) The mystical aspects of our faith are not what we tend to stress. Unlike Roman Catholics, for example. William and I attended Sunday Mass at a Roman Catholic church in Madrid in June. After the service, we were astonished to see groups of churchgoers huddled at various side chapels around the sanctuary about six men and women were standing in front of the Holy Family Chapel with its statues of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. One woman just stood there and stared, tears rolling down her cheeks, apparently having family troubles of her own and bringing them to the Holy Family Chapel for prayer and assistance. But the most popular side chapel by far was St. Jude's, the patron saint of lost causes. There were almost 20 people gathered there, putting their coins in the slot and lighting candles, then standing in silence and gazing at the statue, their particular lost causes expressed as silent awe and desperate, quiet, prayerful focus. Now here at St. Luke's, we do light candles to the Madonna and child in the back of the church and to Christ right up here next to me. Um. But we're sort of Episcopal outliers here. (laughs) Don't know if you've noticed that. (laughs) Today, I want to say a few words about the mystical nature of our faith. And I'm going to resist the temptation to explain or justify my words too much because I believe faith should, at its core, be inexplicable if it is to be true. Faith should, at its core, be inexplicable. If it is to be true. One of our central beliefs as Christians, and especially as Episcopalians, is that our faith is incarnational. That word comes from the Latin "carnis." think carne asada. <laughs> 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 and it means enfleshment, made flesh, made meat and bones and tissue. In other words, in the year 3 BC, God decided to break into human history and manifest divine love in the flesh and form of Jesus. As many of you know, Christmas is called the Feast of the Incarnation. So loosely speaking, very loosely speaking, I think we can say the following. Roman Catholics tend to emphasize the crucifixion. The Mass is an absolute recreation of Calvary each week. Orthodox Christians are more focused on the resurrection. Lots of hallelujahs all around, bells ringing, and Easter Day a huge deal. Anglicans, of which the Episcopal Church is a part, emphasize the Incarnation. The presence of Christ comes into the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. Christ is fully human and fully divine. Now, everyone does all three, I know that, but I think we focus on incarnation a little more. So, I want to say three things about being incarnational. And this is where the mystical business comes in. So, I would say to you, in case you haven't already thought it yourself, that the central act of our worship each week up at the altar is mystical. It's this mystical transaction that we can't quantify or explain or make a logic argument, logical argument for. It's just this sacred transaction. So, three things about being incarnational. And I, just, I want to be clear. I'm, talking about, I'm going to talk about Holy Communion and the body of Christ. But it's also, I am the bread of life, right? That wafer, Jesus, the bread, the body, the blood, the wine. Three things. Because divinity became humanity, the body is inherently good, and all of creation is sacred. Love, intimacy, nature all around us, and the world, it's all good. And things like body shame are not of God. You are loved and beloved just as you are. Second thing about being incarnational, When you come to the altar rail and take Holy Communion, you are reasserting, yes, I am a part of the body of Christ. And I invite God to enter into my life, my body, my spirit, once more this week. It's like getting a weekly recharge of holiness. It's not just a wafer that tastes kind of dry. and It's not just wine that tastes kind of sour. It's something that when we are at the altar and bless and say the words of consecration, we are calling Christ into these these creatures of bread and wine, if you will. And they become body and blood. And when we take it, we symbolically and literally take Christ into us so that we can take Christ out into the world. And that's kind of odd, you know? <laughs> uh, but it 's what we believe it 's uh, by odd, I mean kind of mystical and hard to kind of pinpoint. So the third thing, you, each and every one of you, is a part of the body of Christ. remember today 's reading from Ephesians: We are one body, one spirit, one faith, one hope in God. we are one people. But each and every one of you has a different part of that body. The hands, the feet, the limbs, the arms, the elbows, the knee, the ear, the doctors, the pastors, the teachers, the kids, the retired folks, the captains of industry, the musicians. We all have a part to play, but you don't just get to be out in the world being those pastors and teachers and musicians. You have to imbue yourself with Christ. So when you come here, you take Christ in so you can take Christ out. You are a doctor with caring hands and heart because of your faith. You are a captain of industry with compassion for your workers because you have Christ in you. So, I don't know if you got those three things I said, so I'm going to say them again. You are already good when you walk into those church doors. You remind yourself that you are beloved when you partake of Holy Communion. Three, and you leave as a part of the body of Christ to do God's work in the world. I was going to now uh, go through this whole thing. I'm going to spare you this, by the way. You're welcome. I was going to tell you the difference between when you take communion: what is real presence, transubstantiation, consubstantiation, virtualism, receptionism, and memorialism. But I, you're welcome. Yes. <laughs> I heard that. But I am happy to talk about it at coffee hour. So, and I have to tell you, I said that, I made that very invitation last night at the 5 o'clock, this morning at the 8 o'clock, nobody took me up on it. It's okay. What really matters in all of this is that you are receiving, when you take communion, and I want you to be aware of this today, when you're at the altar rail, I want you to try to remember it each week because it can become a rote act. I'm getting in line, I'm kneeling down, I'm saying amen, I'm putting it in, you know. Remember. You are receiving the life-giving presence of Christ and being fortified by it. So, a theme sentence I often like to say when I'm talking about the Holy Eucharist is this. The sacrament of Holy Communion binds us together into the body of Christ as we remember, give thanks for, and partake of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, being nourished to be Christ in the world until his coming again. I will conclude with a quote from St. Augustine, his Sermon 57 on the Eucharist, uh, which I believe encapsulates that holy transaction of receiving Holy Communion. I want you to picture a wafer. And you. You are the body of Christ. In you and through you, the work of the Incarnation must go forward. You are to be taken. You are to be blessed, broken, and given. That you may be the means of grace and the vehicles of the eternal love. Behold what you are, become what you receive. Amen.